This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Leadership Transformation Platform. We multiply authentic leaders so that we can move society. What a wonderful day to be with you. I'm Adrian Grunewald. And as is mostly the case, the old man Louis Grunewald also with us today. Louis, good to have you back. We've had a few shows without you on. That's looking forward to today and being with some really great people. Yeah, we've had them before, but... Anyway, this is the, the Leadership Masterclass for all things leadership. Go to leadershipplatform.com, one word, two Ps. And, and, of course, today our Masterclass is going to be all about authentic leadership. Uh, we've invited Ernest and Angelique de Toy into, well, we're actually at their offices, Anikia, in, what is this, Irene? In Irene, yes. Irene area. And we're sitting in Ernest's office, who's the CEO of Anique, um, doing this conversation on authentic leadership. So they're going to give us a master lesson, but it'll be a panel discussion as always. And of course, with us, Angelique de Toy, you've both been on the show. Angelique is really an inspirational speaker and author and becoming professional author, if I can call it that. A lot of people write a book and it's great, you know, and it maybe leads to second, third. We've tasted that, but then you get almost contracted to write many books. And you're in that league. Angelique, good to have you as well. Thanks, Adrian. Great to be here as always. Both of you are very welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, lovely to be on the show. It's great to be here. This morning you were, I don't want to say entertained, but maybe inspired by Joey Evans, who we had on the show as well, who finished the Dakar as someone who 10 years ago was, was paralyzed. And he followed his dream, miraculously completed the Dakar. Just how did that go? He, he spoke to some of your team members. Adrian, I just found him totally inspirational from a truly authentic point of view. I love the fact that he speaks just as who he is. There's no performance there, but just such sincerity and deep integrity in his experiences. Um, and I think a speaker is always judged by how they move the audience. And as we looked across our staff today, you could see a lot of them uh, really working through their own emotional uh, issues, saying, well, you know what, if somebody can really push through some really adverse circumstances like Joey did, well, perhaps I can put my circumstances into perspective. Isn't it wonderful? Uh, you, you're into human potential. Mm-hmm. And here's someone who shows, again, we, we keep being surprised. I don't know why we are, but we you know, we know people can achieve the extraordinary. In fact, I don't even know if we know how much we're capable of. Mm-hmm. But then a guy like him comes along and he did the extraordinary, which I think in South Africa we don't appreciate enough. Mm-hmm. If he was in America, he'd probably be a massive star. And he'd certainly be on a very busy speaking circuit. But I'm glad he could come here. Ernest, enjoy him. Absolutely. Uh, loved him. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, pretty much along the lines of Lance Armstrong, who said it's not about the bike. It's really about the experience and the emotions that he stirs within people. Where, irrespective of how his circumstances evolved and the fact that it was on the Dakar, what people do is they go along and watch his ability to overcome the challenges and the issues to the extent that other people would long ago have given up. And then they say to themselves, well, what did I do in the past? Um, Where did I quit? Why did I quit? Man, if this guy can do this and go along and stick Botswana maps into his tires and a a motorcycle that's been ridden over by a car that he can uh, hit Robinson and put that together is just awesome. And it really does. It's the authenticity. It is how it stirs people and challenges them to say, when people say don't quit, I now actually understand what it means. Mm, lovely, lovely example. All right, uh, Angelique and Ernest put together some statements that to them most describe authentic leaders or authentic leadership. We're going to touch on maybe all of them or, or most of them. And I'd certainly want to end the show talking to you a little bit about Anique and about your books and about your future, Ernest. I mean, you guys are always out there. If it's not skiing, it's inspiring people. If it's not inspiring people, it's... I don't know, just trying to lead a balanced life. So it's good to have you here. Let's start with the first thought that to you, or principle that to you most describe authentic leadership. And it's a mouthful, actually. Trusts, so an authentic leader trusts, cares, and adds value. Comment on that a little bit? Let's have a quick chat. Um, Adrian, some time back we were at a function with John Maxwell. And with five minutes to go, five to nine in the evening, he was asked to come along and talk about leadership and relationships in closing. He made three statements that probably had a greater impact on me than many leadership books have had in those five minutes. And the first thing that he said is, if you want to be in a relationship or you want to lead someone, the first 
There are only three questions that you really have to be able to answer. Question number one, do you care about me? And when you ask that question, don't nod your head safely and say, of course I do, it's in my ethos. If I care about you, how much time do I spend with you? Where are the fruits? How much do I know about your fears, your anxieties, your past, your history, the things that disturbed you and upset you and made you unhappy and maybe disempowered you? How much do I know about your dreams and your aspirations and what you care about and your life's lessons? I cannot say that I care about you unless the fruit and the evidence is there that I have spent sufficient time to really get to understand who it is that you are, where you've come from, and where it is that you dream about going to. Second question that you've got to answer is, can I add value to your life? Can you add value to my life? And again, most people say, but of course I can because I've got all these gifts. Guess what? It's got nothing to do with your gifts. It's got to do with my understanding of your needs, your requirements, your journey, and your issues. Because yes, I might have a few gifts and tools that I can share with you, But it's not about me coming and saying, well, I know all of these things and I can share them with you. It's about truly understanding your journey and saying, I can speak into these areas and I can help deliver in those areas where your greatest need and greatest desire and greatest wishes lie. And the last one, critically, is the most important because the question is, can I trust you? And the truth is that if I cannot trust you, I will never open up. I will never share my past, my history, my desires, my challenges and my issues, nor my future dreams and desires and what I need. So, for me, that's almost formative in terms of any relationship and leadership anywhere in the world. I guess if I really care for you, and I honestly add value, that's going to impact trust. And then that trust, again, impacts backwards. So, it's a, it's a, what's the word, back and forth? Symbiotic. Symbiotic relationship, it's isn't it? Angelique, you could comment on this as well? It is a hand-in-glove um, situation where I, I really believe that the leader is encouraged by somebody who trusts in him, and the person who is trusting in their leader has a greater confidence to be able to you know, walk forward into what it is that they want to achieve because they know that the person that they're following has their best interests at, at heart. And I think we need to be very aware in society today that uh, I often look at the people who walk through our doors every morning and you realize they're real people with real lives. And uh, leadership is not always a great supply out in the workplace and and if we can give them a wonderful flag to fly where they can walk in here and know that it's a place that they can feel trusted, it's a place that they can feel safe and it's a place that they can come and share with what's going on in their lives that it gives natural productivity to the workplace because they want to come along and do their best and uh, so I I do think it's we're seeing leadership in a very different light it's not about having a title anymore it's not about you know you being the big gun it really is about caring for the people who are in your space yeah those days are are gone Mm. or they're not but they should be gone indeed Louis do you want to add before we move on just one quick point I'm just working on a article that tells me about uh, a lot of good leaders we found, great leaders, authentic leaders, but very few can really break these impossible barriers around them. And the great key I've discovered after years trying to learn as an old man is the fact that you multiply through people. Now this is a cliche, but the truth is if you if you do not humble yourself to really care about people, because that's a multiplying factor. Mm-hmm. You can organize and you can structure and get capital, but quite frankly, it doesn't break impossible barriers. And that's when you need that creative relationship. What a beautiful principle. So we, we cannot agree more with what you're saying about this. And if I may add, Adrian, that um, it's actually changed the face of the business because you get the culture that you create with the culture that you deserve. And, you know, that might sound like a cliche, but it isn't. What we've done here is the entire purpose is to see each individual in terms of their individual capacity to contribute to the business. And our statement is you lead from any chair. It's not the guy with a title. It's the person with the greatest knowledge, insight of that particular issue, and it differs from individual to individual. So we've broken down race barriers, gender barriers, religious barriers. For us, you know, it again sounds like a cliche. We're one happy family. That's not... We care about people in the business, and our vision says we create life-changing opportunities every day, not just for the consultants in the field, but for the staff here. And it's an environment in which people thrive and grow and don't want to leave. And that's the point at which you say, well, maybe we're getting the recipe right. So an authentic leader trusts, cares, and adds value. The, The next one you've got is an authentic leader is focused and has purpose. Who wants to start with that one? 
I'll start with that one. Um, just linking it back to what we've been discussing is we have a, a saying in the business that if um, we're in a, in a meeting and someone comes up with a great idea, that if that's your vision and you've got the job, why? Because if they've got the vision, they're the best person to build a team around them and, and get the job done. And so to me, purpose is really um, not always just future focused, but very much what I'm doing today means no regrets tomorrow. So as a leader, we need to know our why. We need to know why we're here, why we're doing the things that we do. And when we understand that, we start to operate in our purpose. So I believe purpose is actually designed in our very DNA. And we are all at the place that we are because it aligns to what it is that we can do. And certainly um, recognizing our gifts, recognizing why uh, we're able to do something somebody else is not, must align with your reason for being there, which is therefore your your purpose. And uh, so for, for us to encourage people to find their purpose, to define their purpose and to refine it, uh, brings people on board in a greater way because they really feel that they can have a contribution and therefore their sense of purpose becomes satisfied. We don't have enough of that. I'm not so sure that enough people have that sense of purpose. Eh? Ernest, do you want to comment add to that? I just, I just want to add, yes, very much. Uh, I think the term, Angelique, um, if they have the vision, you build your team around them. I wonder if we really realize the power of that statement. Because many people are technically qualified, they, they're good managers, but they have that, uh, that vision element. So what you're saying is, as good leaders, you look for the person who has the vision. It's an intuitive thing, it's not just a logical thing. In fact, if it's too logical, you get a bit worried. Those people don't break through glass ceilings as well. So then you build around the person with the vision, not necessarily the person in the position. You know, so-called authority. I, I think it's a great principle. Let me quickly come in there, uh, not to spend too much time on it, but businesses like First Round Group, or let's say even Discovery now, in some respect have caught that vision. That people come with ideas, like Adrian Gore did to the First Round founders, and, and said, I have a vision for this, I don't know, medical aid company. And they bought into it and built something around the vision. Last night we had at a youth event... Uh, uh, Timba Baloy, who had a vision as a Discovery employee for Discovery Insure. And it took him a few years, but he convinced uh, convinced Adrian Gorman and the team. And now he's the founder of this vision and has been driving it and still driving it. So, so that's the principle. If you can have a culture where you can build something around someone's vision. Ernest, quick comment on that before we move to the next one. Um, Adrian, I seem to recall the last time we went to Central, I spoke about getting on, getting honest, and getting honourable. Um, I'll just uh, maybe remind the uh, the listeners: um, finding your purpose is often, mostly, a journey. It's not something that you're born with, and one day you wake up and say, "Well, this is my purpose." And your purpose is often moulded through your life's experiences, your challenges, the things that you overcome, and the journey and the path that you walk. So in the early part of our life, we get on. And this is what a mentor of mine taught me years ago. And you do whatever you need to. It's expedient. I need to do it. And it might not lack integrity, it might lack integrity or morality, but I need to get on. Then, hopefully, please Lord, you get to the place where you get honest and you develop some values and principles and boundaries and you say, um, I have achieved certain things, but I don't like how I've done it. And you change. But the truth is, this honorable phase is when you truly find your purpose. And you know, they say two important days in your life, the day you're born, and the second one, the day you find out why you were born. And the truth is, without vision, people perish, and without a purpose, it is only when you establish what your purpose is, and sadly for some it's a long journey, but the day you discover it, it's then your commitment, your desire to live into that purpose, to use that to influence and impact the lives of others, that your life actually starts taking on meaning, and your life starts to change as much as you impact others' lives. Get honorable. I, I remember that now that you mentioned powerful words. Good mentor that you had there, obviously. Another point you raise here that describes authentic leaders is discovers plants and develops potential. I like that. So let's go to that one and then I'll jump around with a couple of these thoughts. Discovers plants and develops potential. Let's start with a potential expert. Yeah, well, you know, for me, potential is power in reserve. And uh, there are many people that are walking around with this wellspring of 
knowledge, of experience, of talent, um, that never gets the opportunity to come to the fore or to shine, either through bad experiences that they've had, perhaps um, it's a self-image problem where they think, well, I, you know, I, I kind of have a, an idea of what I'd like to do, but I don't have the confidence to be able to go and do it. And I believe it takes an authentic leader who really cares about other people to help them uncover and uh, reveal that passion, that purpose that's within them, uh, because that is what potential stands on. Uh, we we have within us a wellspring that is just waiting to come to the fore. Um, but sometimes you need a leader to come alongside you and just say, I see that potential in you. I see that, you know, talent that's hidden under a bushel right now, and we need to, to bring it to the fore. So I think that's a great uh, gift that a leader has and a great adventure that a leader can go on with somebody who has that sort of potential. I think there's nothing more fulfilling, um, which really keeps me inspired in the work that I do, to watch the sparkle in somebody's eyes uh, to say, yes, I, I now recognize that potential in me. I've heard of many stories where a young manager, supervisor, engineer in the mining industry didn't realize his or her own potential, mm -hmm. but someone saw it in them and helped them discover it or told them that that is, that is what I think you are capable of. Mm -hmm. And, and then they ended up being a CEO later in their career. There's wonderful examples of that. Mm -hmm. Any additional comments? Um, Adrian, my experience in life is that fear is one of the greatest disablers of human beings on earth. And the fear comes from bad childhood experience, bad past experiences, a whole range of issues and very often people sadly are not taught, mentored, challenged to overcome those fears and realize their potential. Angelique and I run a presentation skills course. The first day we teach no skills. All we do is we go and establish why it is that people are so fearful to present. And if in that process you help them understand what has their strategy for life become, each one of us has one, and it generally stems from our background. And that strategy for life is either aiding and abetting you, or it's actually incapacitating you. And sadly, if your strategy at six is the same at 16, 26, and 36, you're in trouble, because your strategy should evolve as you evolve. So what we do is we spend the first day in helping people understand where their fears are, what the source is, what the origin is, what strategy they've developed as a consequence. And then we help take them through a change process to address and change that. Second day, we teach skills. And it's amazing to watch in two days how somebody who's come and then said, I'd sooner jump out of a plane without a parachute than stand on a stage, can stand on the second day and actually share with confidence. So for us, it really is, it's about discovering each individual's <coughs> talents and skills, helping them overcome the things that hold them back, and then giving them the tools to move on. Uh, those fears are often built on the foundation of limiting assumptions, or false assumptions that we have in our lives. I assume things about myself or about how I look or how I talk, and, and, and more often than not, it's so false. And, and that's opened up for me of late, is this thing of limiting assumptions, true or false assumptions. Most of us don't have the time or the energy or the skills to think through those limiting assumptions, to find the, 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 the empowering assumptions about our, our own lives. All right, let's move on to the next one. Louis, you want to comment on that? Yes, audience. Uh, I think a major contribution that these two great leaders can, can provide is a very important one. It's one thing to understand uh, all the theory beyond good leadership. You know, we, we find it all the time. It's another thing, though, to somehow uh, fashion the abilities to provide authentic motivation at the end of the line. Now, in your case, your industry, if you can't do that, then you will lose authenticity overnight. So somehow... All these things and the great principles, but what I'm really interested in, their feelings on, and all the things we discuss contribute. Yes, how does it get to increasing the authentic motivation at the end, at the person delivering it there? And you know in your game, if you don't do that, then then you'll fail. It's a very difficult skill. Other people get away with, with preaching good leadership, but in your case, you have learned, and that I think is very valuable for the people out there. What really works and all these things we discussed are valid to it, but there's that authenticity needed here. So you speak to the hearts of the people. It's all about the people, not so. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Louis, if I may add, it truly is about caring and mentorship. Because many people who run organizations and have employees 
can go along and get the employees to do what they want them to do because I have a title, because they have rules, because they are processes, and you need to comply. In the direct selling industry, in this organization, we've got 10,000 independent business owners. They do not have to do what you tell them to do. What you need to do is you need to guide them, inspire them, provide them with the tools and the abilities to overcome their own fears, to understand their potential, to give them the tools that takes them to the next level and get them to want to walk the road and the journey that they need to walk in order to succeed. So, you know, what we say in our mission, we say we provide our staff and our consultants with guidance and tools to help them fulfill their life's purpose and achieve success through the unique opportunity. Now, that's a broad statement. It's a strong statement to say our mission is to help you fulfill your life's purpose. But that is truly our intention. And we test everything we do against that standard. If we're not achieving it, we go back to the drawing board. Angelique, you want to add? Yes, I do, because uh, I love what, what Louis said. I, I believe it is a beautiful unveiling that we see in, in this business when you watch somebody come in there and they know they've got that potential. Um, and then to help, you know, for us to be able to help them to unveil that. But I believe at the core of the unveiling is an impartation and an imprinting. So it's an impartation of what we have learned in our own lives and in business that we're able to authentically impart to them. And then it's imprinting in them. In other words, making sure that they develop and they grow in that same way that we've actually built a culture within the organization of individual leadership within the same organization, but where every consultant or leader gives expression to what it is that they do individually and uniquely. So that the substance is there, the grounding is there, the rooting is there, but we give them, which is where the planting comes in, we give them a firm grounding, but then they're able to go and express their own form of leadership to their own network. And I think that's authenticity. I'd like, Ernest, to just answer a question. Now, you know, it's tough at the top. But the more you apply what you're saying, others be authentic, don't you find it leaves a lot of room for mistakes? Others, people are very forgiving of genuine leaders. You know, people who admit, uh, because they speak from personal experience, don't you find also that your ability to be honest with people is greatly accentuated by this culture? You're not afraid, you don't have hidden agendas when you speak, but you're not afraid of what did I say yesterday so much? So it takes away that great barrier of trust that's uh, between people. Don't you find that as well? Louis, if, if, if I may start, and Angelique will obviously add to that. For me, one of the key secrets of great leadership is to be able to manage conflict. I'm going to say that one of the greatest weaknesses of leaders, in my estimation, is their inability to be open, to be honest, to manage conflict up front in a way that maintains respect, maintains dignity, but answers the issue without uh, manipulation, without uh, an agenda, or without anything else. So we recommend to people go and read crucial conversations and crucial confrontations because if I can impart that ability for people to be honest with one another, without hurting, without being malicious, without undermining, but saying, please understand, if we handle this correctly, there's a great outcome for both of us because it's honest, it's truthful, it's according to values, principles, guidelines, boundaries, and we're not going to leave this unspoken, but without hurting one another. And clearly, it's only possible when there are two partners uh, on either side of that particular divide. Because if somebody isn't willing, it's sometimes a difficult journey. But it's wonderful when you watch people take on those tools. And that honesty and that authenticity is truly there in relationships. Those relationships will carry on forever because they're honest and they're open and they're truthful. And I would really add to that that that's, you have that honest conversation because you really care. You know, people who don't really care don't need to have that conversation. But because you really care for the people that you're leading and you want to succeed, um, you practice tough love. I love you, but we need to have this discussion. Why? Because I care about you and I want to see you succeed. However, if you continue in that behavior, you're probably not going to succeed. And so we have that conversation because we care. And if I can say it starts with our kids. Mm-hmm. It really does. And if I say to people, if you get to start with a kid, you can get right with anybody else. Because the kid, it doesn't matter how old your child is, if they're three years old, go down on your knees, look them in the eye. They, even if they don't understand, they can sense their self-esteem, self-value, and self-worth. But folks care. Have the conversation. And if you practice that with them, it's wonderful to see 
how they start to practice it themselves. And I don't know, maybe stretching this one. We said to our kids recently, uh, as an exercise for our kids, we said, just share with us what it is that you've learned from us over the last 20, 25 years. That's how old they are. We got back the most <laughs> remarkable feedback from the kids. Each one very different to say, in our journey with you, these are the things that we learned. And it came from openness, honesty, boundaries. Let's talk about these things. Let's not shy away from them. It's that authenticity. Well, I think that's, that's important. the test of Absolutely. authentic leadership. You know, um, mm. you can be a leader out there in your public life where you've got your best mask on, but true authenticity starts at home. What's the point of being a brilliant leader out there but your home is in shambles? You know, so uh, I really believe that that is the litmus test of where authentic leadership resides. Yeah, asking for and hopefully getting that authentic uh, feedback. You know, it's, um, the title can often prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. But if you've showed over years real caring and love and, 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 and there's trust, then that'll, that'll happen in most mm-hmm. instances. Another principle that you say describe authentic leaders is they reinvent their attitudes and work on their character. Reinvent their attitudes and work on their character. Some deep words there, probably two principles. Mm-hmm. And should we kick off for us? Well, I think we do need to be in a constant process of reinvention because life can be challenging. It has many issues that need to be dealt with along the way. Um, I think it doesn't take much for anyone to see. We live in a world that's absolutely shaking right now. Um, and we need to have a look at where, where we find ourselves in our thinking, in our attitudes. And for me, to stay at the peak of your game, you've got to keep reinventing yourself. You've got to keep, you know, asking yourself, am I practicing what I'm teaching? Am I practicing what I'm preaching? And that calls for a reinvention of attitudes, a way of of thinking. I really believe that our thoughts define our lives and they design our lives. And if our thoughts get in a rut or they get stuck or they get negative... Um, we start impacting our own view on life and our own view on leadership and our own view on other people. And so we need to keep ourselves accountable to um, to reinvent what needs to be reshaped and re-engineered so that we stay relevant. And I, I believe it is a battle for relevance in the world today. <clears throat> Just a point, Audrey. Um I often look at opposites to understand the principle. Here, on the one hand, we're speaking of... Uh, confident principles of leadership and now we say almost the opposite it isn't the opposite of course if we should say what patterns emerge in our discussions with hundreds of quality leaders and working closely with them and uh, provide interventions it's some of those people have a freshness a humility about them they're always learning now you both of you that's because of your environment uh, you were perhaps uh, um, channeled in the direction if you don't keep on responding it's not just about learning new things it's about relearning valuable principles from the past oh. so if you don't now Artie, one of the enemies we've had in the past was the smugness we know it all mm-hmm. you know I'm there I know it all immediately you find there's a deadness about that leader he's not growing exactly. and therefore in our environment he could be in trouble mm-hmm. so the, the exceptional people you've got a, a freshness about them um, you are refreshing that which you, you know, but you're refreshing it by being passionate about it, and that's a renewal process. You reboot all the time. So that's a good principle, I think. I absolutely agree with what Louis is saying. And again, it's not a cliche. Life is a lifelong learning process. You never stop learning until you put your foot in the grave, and hopefully we learn a lot more beyond that. But... If I look back over my own life, and I'm not going to go into all of the detail, but if you had met me when I was a young man, I was an angry young man on the one side, and I was a performing young man on the other side, and there's no authenticity in either. Because anger and aggression means that I'm manipulating to get an outcome, and performance is doing exactly the same thing. I had to learn to get out of those patterns. But guess what? For many years, that was my strategy. It was my instinct. It was the safe place to go when I needed an outcome. So performance and anger would get me the outcomes that I was looking for. That's not leadership, but you think it is at the time. So what I had to do is I had to unlearn that and move on to the better things that life and leadership holds for you. But if the wrong circumstance finds itself, you may instinctively go back to a place where you were many, many moons ago that you thought you'd left behind. 
And you know, it's then not to crucify yourself at that point in time, but to say, okay, here you are, I recognize you, I thought I'd left you far behind, but it's okay, I've got you under control and I'm going to move on from here. I, I call it recovering, we talk of recovery, recovering alcoholics. Exactly. You're healed, but you, you can slip back very easily. Exactly. We find that with racism in South Africa. Um, one can be a recovering or recovered racist, which means you're not a racist anymore. But, man, one thing can trigger you, and you're back there, and you have to recover from it again. And we have a lot of these biases that we recover are recovered from, but we have a, a, a disposition, a weakness towards them, and uh, put you in the wrong situation, and it triggers it again. And if you're aware of it, then you can manage it and, and, and stop yourself from slipping back. Yeah. Then you grab your mic very fast there. <laughs> well, and Felix's uh, definition of reinvention is so important. What we found, Yaritza says also, there's a very close connection between um, a spirit, a mindset of thankfulness to see the good and the fine in people. Man, what a difference it makes. And stop this labeling habit and, uh, and reinvention. Every time we see something good in somebody, in a sense you're reinventing or reconfirming your own strengths as well. So it's a close connection with the spirit. Because as you know, uh, in, in all the people you work with, if there's a ingratitude amongst them or cynical or criticism, you just don't perform. You become a loose cannon as well. So spirit of thankfulness is vitally connected with reinventing yourself as well. So I want to build on that, but, but first bring two of your principles in, and hopefully I'll remember to bring a, in a model or a, a principle that I learned recently. So, so let me go to this one that you, you shared with us. You say authentic leader, an authentic leader is inclusive, listens, and is flexible. All right, so just expand a little bit more on this one. I'll take us to the next principle and then build on it. If I can say that... Leadership is truly about listening because it goes back to caring, trusting and understanding can I add value. Because if I'm not willing to listen, and I'm a lone voice, and recently I denied the situation where with a co-leader in our group, um, we were going to have a conversation around, so what are we going to do together to take it to the next level and get economies of scale? In the meeting, a two-hour meeting, I had five minutes of conversation. And you can imagine, I'm not going to go and push an agenda because for me, that's not why I'm there. I'm there to find a collective outcome. But for many people who don't understand leadership, they love the sound of their own voice and they have the only answer and only opinion in the room. And for me, that is sadly, it undermines relationships, leadership, authenticity and everything else because you really need to listen to what people say. At the same time, just what we said in the previous stanza, I have a principle that I call hashtag you're not invited. Now, you know, this is an interesting one because people say, what do you mean hashtag you're not invited? I'm saying this. None of us in leadership or relationship have the right to walk into somebody else's life, kids, family, colleagues, partners, and tell them what to do and criticize and judge uninvited. So then people say, well, what are you saying? I can never comment or make a suggestion. Or And I say, no, get yourself invited. But until you're invited, you're not invited. So if I want to talk to my child about something, I can't go and say, you will stop doing this and you better not, he's 26 years of age, and if you don't stop doing this, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. If I have a real concern and say, I think you're partying too much and you're not sleeping enough, I'll go and say, hey, can I have a conversation with you about an issue? If he says, no, Dad, I don't want to talk about it, walk away. It's none of your business. If he says, hey, Dad, yes, let's share it then go along and share, but get yourself invited, don't criticize and judge. Listen. So a way to get in there would be, may I offer an observation, my son? Exactly. exactly. About something that's been concerning me. And, uh, no, Dad. Or what is it about? It is about your late nights, so, so regularly. No, I don't want to hear Dad. Or, yes, okay, tell me what you want to say, and then say. So uh, there are beautiful ways of, of getting into that conversation, of inviting yourself in, exactly. as opposed to just forcing yourself in. Lovely, lovely, lovely principle. So to build on this, is inclusive, listens, and is flexible. Angelique, do you want to add to that? I think flexibility is a great part of leadership because we all know what outcome we would love from, from something. But we live in an imperfect world with imperfect people, uh, most who are on a journey to try and better themselves. And so we need to be flexible um, in many of the discussions we have, many of the um, tasks we expect to be finished in a certain way. Um, and I think life 
calls for us to be flexible. You know, if we remain inflexible, we're like that tree. Strong wind comes, it will snap. Uh, so there are boundaries, and boundaries are set, and boundaries need to be, you know, respected and, and honoured and adhered to. But in it all, I, I believe we need to find uh, the space for grace and extend grace in many circumstances, and with that, find that flexibility. I have found that in the more I give in terms of grace, the more capacity I create within myself to grow and to develop as an even better leader. Um, and I think that is, is where flexibility is required. All right. Now, interesting enough, your next principle that you describe authentic leadership is the leader is uncompromising. So I want to link it back to flexible. So on the one hand, I'm flexible as a leader, supposed to be. And, and, and by the way, listening, we can have a whole show on listening. We've done that before. But on the other hand, I must be uncompromising. Ernest, Louis, Angelique, just let's bring a balance between those two. Because yeah. it could seem, again, opposites or holding polarities as a leader. You've always got these polarities that you have to balance. Exactly. And I'm going to say leaders need to be flexible without compromise. And what does that actually mean? It means I'm listening, I'm trying to understand, I'm getting out of my own uh, thought patterns, my own paradigms, I'm wanting to get into yours. The things I cannot compromise and will not compromise are values, principles, and particularly boundaries. And if I can talk, and I'm going to say this without raising a gender issue, but in my life's experience, sometimes women find it more difficult to set boundaries you see, a boundary is only a boundary. By the way, let me just come in. You can say that. You've led an organization with thousands of, <laughs> of women. You're married to a wonderful one. So, so we see the context from where you come. 50,000 women in the one organization, 80,000 in the other, and 10,000 in this. So absolutely. And the issue is a boundary is not a boundary unless you are willing to draw the boundary and take action if somebody crosses the boundary. So for me, I'm not willing, and nor should I be, as a human being or as a leader or somebody in a relationship, to compromise values, principles, and how I live my life, my belief system. Uh, at the same time, when it comes to boundaries, those boundaries are there. And as much as you love unconditionally, the boundary says, yes, safety and security in this relationship. Because if you cross the boundary, when you cross it, my reaction is my response to it, but it's your choice. Because you knew what the consequences be because I set the boundary there in the first instance. You cannot be compromised. You can't compromise on boundaries. Because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And where do you go when you have no boundaries? I think, Arjun, we should differentiate between definition of boundaries here. Um, there's a vast difference between the boundaries I set in my own life, my principles, my goals, my vision, and the boundaries I superimpose on you. If it's a work environment, well, that's a contract. You have a contract with us that you'll stick to boundaries. But there's a different difference. Because I feel it encroached on my boundary, therefore I judge you. I label you, and therefore you lose that flexibility as well. And the ability to motivate people. So one can really stick to your boundaries and never deviate from them if they're based on solid um, value system. And yet uh, be passionate, compassionate. You mentioned just now the merciful and the kindness. The greatest strength comes from uh, having this personal confidence in your own boundaries so that you can afford to be merciful and compassionate. And that's when the great breakthroughs come mm -hmm. as well. So we must differentiate what boundaries are we speaking about here. Sometimes I would say, this is the, my boundary, but actually it could be arrogance. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you that you're wrong. Mm -hmm. I must be careful of that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> For me, boundaries is um, it's a wonderful principle in that it gives the person that you're leading guidelines. Uh, but I do understand that we live in a, re a real world with real issues, with real people. And if we go right back to the beginning of this conversation, we spoke about the relationship that is built on trust and, and caring. I believe that the authentic leader needs to do everything in their power to move away from malicious compliance. And, um, and that requires a conversation because I think it is very difficult to lead people who are maliciously compliant doing something because they have to do it. My style of leadership is I rather invite 
them to do their best, to be proactive and to share what is working and what is not working. And sometimes within that, we need to find the flexibility. Otherwise, if we adopt the stance of, I'm it, I'm telling you what to do and this is how you're going to do it, you often find that malicious compliance. And then it strips us of being able to make space for grace or for that, that mercy. So that's how I tie the two together. There are some non-negotiables. There are some areas that there is expected performance, notwithstanding. But I, I like to hear the heart before I hear the head. And Adrienne, if I can just add to that, because in the light of what Louis is saying, Louis, um, I would co- couch it in the context of boundaries need to be there as a contract and by agreement. So, you know, again, if you use the easy part, uh, here you have teenagers in your home. Now, if you do not set boundaries, you can have chaos in the home. So the boundaries need to be negotiated. Don't go along there and arrogantly say, this is what we're going to do in this house. Here are my rules, and you live by them, and you move out. But what you do is you negotiate, you discuss. We here are living together. There needs to be certain social taboos and mores and ways that we conduct ourselves in this home. Can we agree what those are? And those are the boundaries that the family then set. But those boundaries, once they're there, you've put them there by negotiation because they need to be there for the benefit of everybody in the home. And that's the point that I'm making. When somebody then knowingly crosses the boundary, the outcome is one of their choice. And it's not about you imposing a penalty on them because they knew what the penalty was in the first place. There's a model, I don't know who the, the owner of it is, it's called the Core Flex model. And, and, and you actually have to see the picture, you know, like a megaphone that goes out wide like this, and on the inside here is your core. And, and that's what you're not flexible on. Exactly. You must know what your core is, your values, and, and you mentioned a few examples, and there are probably more. We all have that core element. And the more you are um, uh, fixed on that core and, and consistent around your core, the more people trust you mm-hmm. and, and the way you behave and act towards them. But on the flexible side, there are things that we all must be flexible mm-hmm. on. And the video I watched was a woman who, uh, she's very liberal and, and, and very dynamic, and she was going to go to the Middle East to go do some research for a year or so. And to do that, she had to dress like the woman there, but she's very liberal, and she hates the fact that women should dress that way in her view. So she was sitting with this challenge, what am I going to do? Am I going to dress like that or not? And her kid said, Mom, it's not even an issue. Why would you dress like that? You're a liberal woman. And then she realized, hold on, I've never worried about how I dress. And if you look at her, you'll see she really doesn't dress well. It's always been in my flex part. Why would I now suddenly want to make it a core part of me when I go to this other part of the world? She realized it's, it's in my flex. It's not my core. And then she dressed that way. So sometimes as, as leaders, we've got to be very sure of what is in our flexible area. You've got to have flexible elements and others core. The problem is if I'm your leader, Ernest, and this is core for me, but it's flex for you, where do we go? And that's where the tough conversation then, 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 then results. Exactly. And if I can just say in a business context, the values of our business say honesty, openness, truthfulness, trust, transparency, professionalism, and excellence. Those are things that we agree are the values of the business. We don't want to compromise on those. Mm-hmm. So when people come in and they don't fit in, or they don't agree, or they don't, uh, it's not part of who they are, pretty soon they start to feel uncomfortable. And if they're not operating, we've never asked for perfection. For me, perfection, sorry, is dysfunctional, because we can never get there. But excellence, to the best of our ability, is, to me, what motivates and inspires people. And if you are not doing that in the business, I'm going to come to you and say, do we not have an agreement that this is how we conduct our lives and our business and our relationships? I was going to say, it's much, as much as it takes place in our family, it, in our personal family, it takes place in our workplace family as well. So the same principle applies. Mm. The last one I'm going to touch on here, because I, I just need a few more minutes to just talk to you generally, is that an authentic leader values diversity especially in South Africa, but in the world, we, we need to really capture this one. So, quick views on, on this one, and then we'll move on. I read a profound statement the other day, and, you know, beautiful statement to read, I think probably tougher to live by, but something I'm certainly putting in, in my reinvention strategy. And um, it's by an author called Don Nar- Narai, and he said a real game-changer for him was when he made the decision to judge no one, to compare himself to no one, and to not expect or have, you know, extravagant expectations of anyone. And to accept people for who they are, from where they're from, and whatever their life journey is. And if we could use that as the fundamental foundation or the core of valuing diversity, where because you're different from me, I, I don't have to have 
an opinion of you. I can just, you know, expect uh, to receive from you who you are. And that makes the relationship far more easy than for me to think, well, you know, they're different to me, so I'm not going to. Um, and I think we often miss some of the greatest conversations by having that mindset. We don't have to carry the weight of judging. But the latest thing they talk of is cultural intelligence, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. So it's IQ, and then we have EQ, and other things. Now we have CQ, the ability to, in this diverse world of ours, to actually have a certain cultural intelligence mm-hmm. where you understand the differences of people and you can live with it and, and appreciate it. And not judge. You don't have to carry that weight of judging. Ernest? Judgment and bigotry... And Adrian, for me, are some of the saddest things on earth. And tragically, it comes generally out of fear, misunderstanding, potential loss, uh, a whole lot of issues that are only in people's minds. And valuing diversity, if we are going to get the best out of an organization, out of relationships, we truly need to understand you are different people, different genders, different races, different colors, different creeds. Um, I was with Sierra Lee Corporation for 17 years. They had seven pillars of success. And if I can just say for any organization out there, if you understand these and you can apply them, and what they did was they took all of the senior executives and they assessed them on a very set uh, set of criteria on are they developed, underdeveloped, or highly developed. Leadership, entrepreneurship, people skills, strategic skills. Know the business, make plan, make money, Last one, most critical, value diversity. The world is such a dynamic place. There is no one race, color, creed, gender that has all the answers. And the more we understand that true wealth, true experience, true skill, and true outcomes comes from harnessing the potential of everybody in the organization, that's when we'll succeed, not before that. One of the most profound things that I saw um, at the same company uh, when we were all invited to a conference, and it was just after the 9-11 attacks, they brought in a cultural transformation expert. And the very first thing that she did was she put a picture on the screen of a man wearing a turban. And everyone looked at this picture and thought, well, so what? And her question was, is everyone who wears a turban a terrorist? And she said, now you need to examine your own heart because it's in that place of what that opinion is in the deepest core of you that answers that question is going to decide where you find yourself in terms of your view of diversity, because the truth is not everybody who wears a turban is a terrorist. Because she had seven different types of turban, Mm -hmm. from the Sikhs to the people in Iraq to... So turbans are... And each one is completely different. It's simply a form of dress. But the assumption is, wow, turban terrorist. Scary. Oh, man, this world we live in. Let's for now step off authentic leadership. If we may, uh, you know, the, you guys seem to live life in its fullest in, in every respect, in business, in personal life, family life, marriage. Uh, I'm sure it's not perfect. It's never perfect. It's never easy, but it's worthwhile and it's simple. So just, uh, Angelique, you, you wrote a book. Was it Standing Tall? That's right, Standing Tall in a Falling World. Then uh, a follow-up. That's right. That's called What in the World Are You Waiting For? And there's more. You're becoming like the Americans. They can churn out books like, oh my goodness, I don't know how they do it. They really do. Uh, but, but you've got more coming. Yes. Well, the third one is actually called Turn It Around, Shifting Perspective in a Changing World. And um, I, I think that's very much what we've been talking about today as we go to diversity is what is our perspective and how are we looking at things and why should they shift and often they need to shift because we need to be reinvented. It's not about what's happening on the outside of us, it's about what's happening on the inside. inside. Uh, I saw you on the front cover of some magazine now. What, what yes, magazine? Yes, Joy magazine in Yech, the Afrikaans version, and uh, that was to promote standing tall in a falling world. And your book is, in fact, coming out in Afrikaans, or it is out it in is Afrikaans and English. Afrikaans. It is indeed, yes, and available uh, wherever the books are sold. And I'm very excited about the journey with um, my new publishers, Straight Christian Media. They've been incredibly um, professional to work with and uh, really opened a, a new world to me to understand publishing in its purest form. So even over the last three, five years, I don't want to put a time uh, issue on it, but things have started exploding for you. Uh-huh. Very much so. You've always been in this field to some degree, but more linked to the business. But now you're starting to standing taller. 
So to stand taller. Let me say that right. Um, I've always worn two hats, and specifically from 1999. So um, I've always been involved in the direct selling industry, which has just been an incredible platform um, and school for me to learn from. Um, And in 1999, I started an organization called Women Arise. So whilst I still kept one foot in direct selling, um, I started really looking at how I could best use my life to impact the lives of other women particularly, although I'm finding more and more audiences are holding men uh, as participants in in my seminars. So uh, it's been an incredible journey. Uh, The greatest passion that I have is to help people um, and encourage them to live lives of greater purpose, passion and productivity because I have discovered that if you understand what your purpose is, and passion has got nothing to do with, you know, a feeling or an emotion. Actually, the root meaning of passion is suffering. So are we prepared to pay the price for this cause, for what I'm called to do? Am I prepared to do and pay the price for that passion that I have? Because then the productivity actually develops all on its own. It's nothing I need to work extra hard for. And so for me, the culmination of what I'm seeing now is the harvest of the purpose and the passionate seeds that I have sown in soil over the years. Uh, Angelique, uh, try, if, if, if you could, uh, I think you could, to go really deep down. There's a lot of people who are trying to find this purpose. They all hear about it. They, they dream about it. And I think most of us don't find it. But just take listeners into your world for a moment and say what it's really like when you are honestly following your passion and your purpose? What what does it do to you physically, emotionally, um, intellectually? What does it do to your being? It gives your life incredible meaning. So for me to answer your question, I just need to go back and to say that uh, we are three in one. So we have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. And if we can connect with our spirit, our will, which is in our soul, our emotions, which are in our soul, and our mind, which is in our soul. And really take the time to look into your own being and say, what am I gifted to do? What comes naturally for me? What is it that really inspires me? But because I've never thought I could do something with it, I've just put it aside. I believe without doubt that when God created us, he put our purpose and our gifts and our abilities and our talents in our very DNA. It's in our structure. It's in who we are. And if we can be courageous enough and honest enough with ourselves to say, this is what I love doing. We just listened to Joey Evans this morning. Now, he had a passion in the truest sense. He suffered for his passion, which was to ride a motorbike on the Dakar Rally. Now, I might look at that and say, that's just not my cup of tea at all. But that's got nothing to do with me. He took the risk, found the courage to really serve his life in a way that now is inspiring other people to say, if he could have pushed through those very, very radical challenges, then so can I. So I believe too many people go through life never being honest enough with themselves, saying, this is what God put in my DNA, and I need to find an avenue to release it. That's powerful. Uh, and the thought in my mind is passion and pain are synonymous. So that, that's got an... I'm on a new thought pattern now, so thank you for doing that to me. Ernest, uh, Louis, you can jump in if you want. Uh, Ernest, I, I, you're doing some amazing things and some fascinating projects with uh, Anique. Um, I don't know if it's open, but you're not going to be here forever, of course. Absolutely. Life moves on. Yes. So, so, uh, you know, both of you are are definitely in that space of following your purpose and your passion, and you're impacting thousands of lives, and even hopefully through this this conversation we can do the same. Just tell us about one or two exciting projects. What's happening at Anique? And and I'm also interested, we're in a recession, aren't we? Exactly. Things are really, honestly, tough out there. Exactly. How are things at Anique? What is wonderful, um, Adrian, just uh, listening to Angelique speak and, and talking about purpose. And if I can just add, um, for people who are listening to the program, for many people, they are searching for something that they don't know where to start, how to find it, and what to look at. My view around purpose is your life gives you clues every day. The things you go through, the journey that you're on, the challenges that you face, the mistakes that you make. Everything that shapes you, I believe, shapes you for a reason. 
you need to have the curiosity, the understanding, the insight and the awareness to look around you and say, what has my life's experience been? And somebody shared with us recently, sometimes you might have to give up your dream in order to fulfill your destiny. Now, you know, that's a strong statement. Sometimes you might have to give up your dream to fulfill your destiny. Now, your dream might have been one thing that was rooted maybe in getting on and doing whatever it is that sounds fancy and fanciful out there, but your life's experience has taken you on a different course. And if I can just share a lady called Vera van Dalen, who lost a five-year-old son to cancer. And her family, as she shared her story and her testimonial with us, was the perfect family. Very successful businessman, husband. She was a professional, doing very well. Three beautiful kids, everything that they'd ever wanted. There was nothing missing in their lives, except a child died. And this came along out of left field, totally unexpected. And she looked at this and she said, for months I've wanted to bury my head. I no longer wanted to get out of bed, face life, because my life was gone. My child had been taken from me. And she said, somewhere in the mist she eventually emerged, and she said to herself, either I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, or I need to make a difference. So what she did was she went to cancer and said, do you have a division for kids? And they said, no. She said, I'd like to start one. Started Cancer TLC. She started and she collected millions and millions of rands for kids with cancer. She played a video that day that showed us in this country how many kids suffer from cancer that we don't even know about, the tumors, the deaths, and the statistics. And here's a story. She said, my dream was to have the perfect family, be this wonderful, powerful businesswoman, and succeed at everything I do. My destiny was to get out of where it was that I thought I should be and get to a place where my life is all about saving kids' lives in this particular situation. Big difference between a dream and a destiny. Mm. I think we get it now. <laughs> That's a great example. Uh, so in a way, life will, if you don't find the destiny, life will show it to you or give you clues at least. Be aware. But you could Be keep aware. your head under the duvet if you wanted to. Exactly. And, and, and not uh, heed the invitation. I almost want to end with that. And, and um, you know, we know you're from Malik. We know you're doing great things there. People can go and read about that. But they can't necessarily go read about this wonderful story. Just wrap up. An inspirational message. We've got a minute or so from each of you. And, and then Louis, you can end up just with final comments. Angelique, tell people about why they should read your books or just anything you want to say to inspire. Great. Can I just read a little piece out of my book? Since we're talking about authentic and creative leadership today, which is a beautiful term that you used again, it's one of the titles of one of the chapters of my book, actually, is Creative Leadership. But I think this is a beautiful way to end it. And it says, being a leader is not an act, but rather a lifestyle. The character of a leader is the beacon of light that draws people to them. A truly successful leader is one who attracts followers rather than pursues them. Character is what a person is when no one else is around. And leadership has four foundational pillars. Integrity, trust, honesty, and wisdom. And with that, we can add good judgment. Making wise choices cements the future of a leader because you produce after your own kind. And what you sow is what you reap. An essential quality for leadership is credibility, not perfection. Thank you, Angelique. Beautiful from your book. From my book, Standing Tall in a Fallen World. In a Fallen World. Ernest. I don't know, from my side, I can simply say that uh, my life has been blessed. And for the people who are listening, it really has got nothing to do with where you came from, your history, your parents, where you started, and all of your disadvantages. I walked a very difficult road and from a very poor family without uh, a good start, without the proper education, finished school, but never went on to get a degree. However, along the road, yes, I invested. Yes, I wanted to get on. Yes, I did a lot of things. But I was blessed. And for me, ultimately, what made the difference is when I found my purpose in what I was doing 18 hours a day, and that was working. In this industry, this industry is able to, and that's what Anik does, is truly create life-changing opportunities for people. And for me, it is when you reach that honorable stage of your life and you look back at how blessed you have been, and I share with people, if they're not sure about a vision, my vision was not to walk the stages of the world, become rich and famous. It was eventually when I got to the honorable stage, but I had to get there first, to understand that if I can touch one person, one life, one day at a time, that will leave me fulfilled. And you know what? If uh, I was called home today, I would leave fulfilled. There's nothing left undone. 
in my relationships, in my family, in my business, or in my vision and purpose, because I'm fulfilling it one life, one person, one day at a time, every day. Thank you so much. Ernest and Angelique Detoy, Ernest CEO, currently of Anique, and Angelique, inspirational speaker and author. Thank you for joining us. Louis, just end off with a final comment. I agree wholeheartedly with those two beautiful statements. I just want to add, as an old man, that um, to find your personal destiny has very much to do with uh, finding your personal drivers in life created by a divine source. So you won't easily find it outside. It'll help. But to find it within ourselves, and this makes a dramatic difference to your sense of destiny. Thank you, Louis Grunwald, the old man, and thank you for joining us today. I am quite convinced you've been inspired, and do join us again next week, every Monday, 12 to 1, our Leadership Masterclass, where we unpack authentic leadership and much, much more. Next up, our Business Masterclass. Stay tuned. This is CliffCentral.com.